0: everybody and welcome back to another episode of reading harry potter with an 11 year old um now welcome back if um you've listened to my other podcasts and hello if you're new today we'll be reading harry potter and the philosophers stone chapter 15 the forbidden forest so sorry i've been posting much but here i am back at it i'm gonna try and read a whole chapter for you guys But, um, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I'm probably going to read a whole chapter. Um, so, um, shout out to RJ Schwartz, I want to say. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. But anyway, he gave me a very, um, enlightening voice message. Um, here's a listen. Hey man, I absolutely love your... Podcasts just keep going at it. don't stop take the criticism but you know just build on what they say like you do you man keep going thank you for that inspiring message i really appreciate it but anyway now let's move on to the main aspect of our podcast reading harry potter so, we're going to start off with chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. Let's get started. Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. Things couldn't have been worse. Filch took them down to Professor McGonagall's study on the first floor, where they sat in waste without saying a word to each other. Hermione was trembling. Excuses, alibis, and wild cover-up stories chased around Harry's brain, each more feeble than the last. He couldn't see how they, go- how they were going to get out of trouble this time. They were cornered. How could have they been- have been so stupid to forget the cloak? There was no reason on earth that Professor McGonagall would accept for their being out of bed and creeping around the school in the dead of night. Let alone being up in the tallest astronomy tower, which was out of bounds except for classes. Add Norbert and the invisibility cloak, and they might as well be packing their bags already. Had Harry thought that things couldn't be wor- um could have been worse? Wait, had Harry thought that things couldn't be worse? Be- could could Harry thought that things couldn't have been worse? He was wrong. When Professor McGonagall appeared, she was leading Neville. Harry! Neville burst out the moment he saw the other two. I was trying to find you to warn you. I heard Malfoy saying he was going to catch you. He said you had a drag. Harry shook his head violently to Neville to shut up. Professor McGonagall had seen. She looked more likely to breathe fire than Norbert as she towered over the three of them. I would never have believed it. Any of you, Mister Filch says you were up the astronomy tower. Up the Mister Filch says you were up in the astronomy tower. It's one o'clock in the morning. Explain yourselves. For the first time, Hermione had failed. To, this was the first time Hermione had ever failed to answer a teacher's question. She was staring at her slippers, still as a statue. I think I've got a good idea of what's going on," said Professor McGonagall. It doesn't take a genius to work it out. You've fed Joko Malfoy some cock and bull story about a dragon, trying to get him out of bed and into trouble. I've already caught him. I suppose you think it's funny that Longbottom here heard the story and believed it too. Harry caught Neville's eyes and tried to tell him with words that it wasn't true. Because Neville was looking stunned and hurt. Poor, blundering Neville and Harry knew what it must have cost him to try and find them in the dark to warn them. "'I'm disgusted,' said Professor McGonagall. Four students out of bed in one night! "'I've never heard of such a thing before!' "'You, Miss Granger, I thought you had more sense. "'As for you, Potter, I thought Gryffindor meant more to you than this. "'All three of you would, will receive detentions. "'Yes, you too, Longbottom.' Nothing gives you the right to walk around school at night, especially these days. It's very dangerous. And 50 points will be taken from Gryffindor. 50, Harry gasped. They would lose the lead, the lead he'd won in the last Quidditch match. 50 points each, said Professor McGonagall, breathing heavily through her long-pointed nose. Professor, please, you can't. Don't tell me what I can and can't do, Potter. Um, now get back to bed, all of you. I've never been more ashamed of Gryffindor students. One hundred and fifty points! That put Gryffindor in last place. In one night, they'd ruined any chance Gryffindor had, had for the House Cup. Harry felt as though the bottom had dropped out of his stomach. How could they ever make up for this? Harry didn't sleep all night. He could hear Neville sobbing into his pillow for what seemed like hours. Harry couldn't think of anything to say to comfort him. He knew, um, Neville like himself was dreading the dawn. What would happen to the rest of the Griffin- if when the rest of the Gryffindors found out what they had done? At first, Gryffindors' giant hourglasses recorded that th- that recorded the house points the next day. Thought they'd been a mistake. How could they have 150 points fewer than yesterday? Then, the story started to spread. Harry Potter, the famous Harry Potter, the hero of two Quidditch matches, had lost them all these points. Him and a couple of other stupid first years. From being being one of the most popular and admired people at the school, Harry was suddenly the most hated even Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs turned on him, because everyone had been longing to see Slytherin lose the house cup. Everywhere Harry went, people pointed and didn't trouble to lower their voices as they insulted him. Slytherins, on the other hand, clapped um, as he walked past them, whistling and cheering, Thanks Potter, we owe you one! Only Ron stood by him. They'll forget all this in a few weeks. Fred and George have lost loads of points in here and... All the time had lost loads of points in all the time they've been here, and people still like them. They've never lost 150 points in one go, have they? said Harry miserably. Well, no, Ron admitted. It was a bit late to repair the damage, but Harry swore to himself not to meddle in things that weren't his business from now on. He had had it with sneaking around and spying. He felt so ashamed of himself that he went to wood and offered to resign from the Quidditch team. Resign? Wood thundered. What good will that any? What what good will that do? How are we going to get any points back if we can't even win at Quidditch? But even Quidditch had lost its fun. The rest of the team wouldn't speak to Harry during practice, and if they had to speak about him, they called him the Seeker. Hermione and Neville were suffering too. They didn't have as a, as they didn't have as a bad time as Harry because they weren't well known, but nobody would speak to them either. Hermione had stopped drawing attention to herself in class, keeping her head down and working in silence. Neville was um Harry was almost glad that the exams weren't far away. All the revision he had to do kept him kept his mind off the misery. He, Ron, and Hermione kept to themselves, working late into the night, trying to remember the ingredients in complicated potions, learn charms, spells um off by heart memorize the dates of magical discoveries and goblin rebellions and more then about a week before the exams were due to start harry's new resolution not to interfere in anything that didn't concern him was put to an unexpected test walking back from the library in his own one afternoon on his own one afternoon he heard somebody whimpering from a classroom up ahead As he drew closer, he heard Quirrell's voice. No, no, not again, please. It sounded as though someone was threatening him. Harry moved closer. All right, all right, all right. He heard Quirrell sob. Next second, Quirrell came hurrying out of the classroom, straightening his turban. He looked pale and as though he was about to cry. He strode out of sight. He didn't think Quirrell had even noticed him. He waited until Quirrell had um, until Quirrell's Footsteps had disappeared. Then peered into the classroom. It was empty, but a door stood ajar at the end. Harry was halfway towards it when he remembered, um, re- when he remembered what he'd promised about not meddling. All the same, he'd have gambled twelve philosopher's stones that Snape had just left the room, and from what Harry had just heard, Snape would be walking with a new spring in spring in his step. Quirrell seemed to have given in at last. Harry went back into the library where Hermione was testing Ron on astronomy. Harry had told him what he'd heard. Snape's done it then. If Quirrell's told him how to break through this anti force spell. They're still fluffy though, said Hermione. Maybe Snape found out how to get past him without asking Hagrid, said Ron, looking at the thousands of books surrounding them. I bet there's a book. Telling you, in here somewhere, telling you how to get past a giant three-headed dog. So what do we do, Harry? The light of adventure was kindling in Ron's eyes, but Hermione answered before Harry could. Go to Dumbledore. That's what we should have done ourselves ages ago. If we try anything ourselves, we'll be thrown out for sure. But we've got no proof, said Harry. Quirrell's too scared to back us up. Snape's only got to say that he doesn't know how the troll got in at Halloween. And that he was nowhere near the third floor. Who do you think they'll believe, him or us? It's not exactly a secret we hate him. Dumbledore, we think it, we made it up to get sa- to get him sacked. Filch wouldn't help us if his life depended on it, and he's too friendly with Snape. And the students, um, and the more students get thrown out, the better he'll think. And don't forget, we're not supposed to know about the stone or Fluffy, and that'll take a lot of explaining. Hermione looked convinced, but Ron didn't. If we just do a bit of poking around... No, said Harry flatly. We've done enough poking around. He pulled a map of Jupiter and started to learn the names of its moons. The following morning, notes were delivered um, to Harry, Hermione and Neville at the breakfast table. They were all the same. Your detention will take place at 11 o'clock tonight. Meet Mr. Filch in the entrance hall, Professor McGonagall. Harry had forgotten that they still had detentions in the fur-or over the points they'd lost. He half expected Hermione to complain this was a whole night of revision lost, but she didn't say a word, like Harry. She felt that they deserved what they got. At 11 o'clock that night, they said goodbye to Ron um, in the common room. And went to the entrance hall with Neville, Filch was already there, and so was Malfoy. Harry had forgotten that Malfoy had got detention too. Follow me," said Filch, lighting a lamp and leading them outside i'll um I bet you think you'll think twice about breaking a school rule again, eh, hey, won't you? He continued leering at them. oh yes. Hard work and pain are just the best teachers if you ask me. It's a pity they let the old punishments die out. Hang you by your wrist for a few um from the ceiling for a few days. I got the chains it's still in my office, keep em world oiled in case they're ever needed. Right, off we go. And don't think of running off now, because it'll be worse for you if you do. <laughs> They marched off across the dark grounds. Neville kept sniffing. Harry wondered what their punishment was going to be. It must be something really horrible, or Filch wouldn't be sounding so delighted. The moon was bright, but clouds scudding across this, um, across it kept throwing them into the darkness. kid. Um, Harry could see the lighted windows of Hagrid's hut. They heard a distant shout. Is that you, Filch? Hurry up! I want to get started. Harry's heart rose. If they were going to be with Hagrid, it wouldn't be so bad. His relief must have showed in his face, because Phil s- Filch said, I suppose you think you'll be enjoying yourself with that oaf. Well, think again, boy. It's into the forest you're going, and I'm much mistaken if you all come out in one piece. At this, um, Neville let out a little moan, and Malfoy stopped dead in his tracks. "The The, the forest, he repeated. He didn't sound as cool as usual. We, we, we can't go into there at night. There's, there's all sorts of things in there. Werewolves, I've heard. Neville clutched, clutched the sleeve of Harry's robe and made a choking noise. That's your lookout, isn't it? Said Filch, his voice crackling with glee. Shoulda thought of them werewolves before you got in trouble now, shouldn't ya? Hagrid came striding out of the dark fang at his heel he was carrying a large crossbow and a quiver quiver of arrows hung above his shoulder he's about time he said I've been waiting for you for half an hour already all right Harry Hermione I shouldn't be too friendly to them Hagrid said Filch coldly they're here to be punished after all that's why you're late is it said Hagrid frowning at Filch they're here to be, um, is that why you're late, is it? Said Hagrid, frowning at Filch. Been lectured in the May. It's not your place to do that. I've done your bit. I'll take it from here. You've done your bit. I'll take it from here. I will be back at dawn, said Filch, for what's left of them. He added nastily, and he turned and started back to the castle, his lamp bobbing away in the na- darkness. So, a very interesting chapter. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11-year-old. If you want to, um, please uh, follow this podcast and maybe even check out some of my other podcast episodes. And if your family and friends like listening to Harry Potter, then share this podcast with them so they can listen to it. Thank you so much for listening. Um that's all I have to say. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Okay, Um, I've just come back from dinner. Um, sorry I didn't tell you I was going. Um, if I accidentally read an extra sentence or two. Um, sorry about that. Uh, Malfoy now turned to Hagrid. I'm not going in that forest, he said. And Harry was pleased to hear the note of panic in his voice. Yeah, if you want to stay at Hogwarts, said Hagrid fiercely. You've done wrong, and now you've got to pay for it. But this is servant stuff. It's not for students to do. I thought we'd be writing lines or something. If my father knew I was doing this, he'd tell you that's how it is at Hogwarts, Hagrid growled. Writing lines. What good is that to anyone? You'll do some that some at useful, or you'll get out. If you think your father'd rather you were expelled, then go back to the castle and pack. Go on. Balfoy didn't move. He looked at Hagrid furiously, but then dropped his gaze. Right then, said Hagrid. Now, listen carefully, because it's dangerous. And we're going to do what we're going to do tonight. And I don't want no one taking risks. Follow me over here for a moment. He led them to the very edge of the forest. Holding his lamp up high, he pointed down a narrow, winding earth track that disappeared into the thick black trees. A light breeze lifted their hair as they looked into the forest. Look there, said Hagrid. See that stuff shining on the ground? Silvery stuff. That's unicorn blood. There's a unicorn in there, been hurt badly by some act. This is the second time in a week. The last one, I found one dead last Wednesday. We're going to try and find the poor thing. We might have to put it out of its misery. But whatever hurt the unicorn finds us first, said Malfoy, unable to keep the fear in, out of his voice. There's nothing that lives in the forest that'll hurt you if you keep with me or Fang, said Hagrid. And keep to the path, right now. We're going to split into two parties and follow the trail in different directions. There's blood all over over the place. Ooh, nice picture, pretty. All over the place. Been staggering around, um, since last night at least. I want Fang, said Malfoy quickly, looking at Fang's long teeth. Alright, but I warned ya, he's a coward, said Hagrid. So, Harry and Hermione will go one way, Draco Neville and Fang will go the other. Now, if any of us finds the unicorn, we'll send up green sparks, right? Get your wands out and practice now. That's it. And if anyone gets in trouble, send up red sparks. And we'll all come and find you. So be careful. Let's go. The forest was black and silent. A little way into it, they reached a fork in the earth, path, and Harry, Hermione, and Hagrid took the left path while Malfoy, Neville, and Fang took the right. They walked in silence, their eyes on the ground. Every now and then, a ray of moonlight split through the branches and lit a spot of silver-blue blood on the fallen trees. Harry saw that Hagrid looked very worried. Could a werewolf be killing the unicorns? Harry asked. Not fast enough. It's not easy to catch a unicorn. They're powerful, magical creatures. I never knew one to be hurt before. <clears throat> they walked past a mossy tree stumped. <clears throat> Harry could hear running water. There must be a stream somewhere close by. There were still spots of unicorn blood here, and there along the winding path. You are right, Hermione? Harry whispered. Don't worry. It can't have gone far. If it's hurt... If it's badly hurt, then we'll be able to get behind that tree. Hagrid seized Harry and Hermione and hoisted them off the path behind a towering oak. He pulled out a tr- an arrow and fitted it into his crossbow. Um, and fitted fitted it into his crossbow, raising it ready to fire. Three of them listened. Something slithering over dead dead um over dead leaves nearby. It sounded like a cloak trailing along the path. Hagrid was squinting. Um, Hagrid was squinting in the, up the dark path, but after a few seconds, the, found, the sound faded away. I knew it, he murmured. There's some out in here that shouldn't be. A werewolf, Harry suggested. That wasn't no werewolf, and it wasn't no unicorn either, said Hagrid grimly. Right, follow me now, but be careful. He. They walked more slowly, ears straining for the faintest sound. Suddenly, in a clearing ahead, something definitely moved. "'Who is there?' Hagrid called. "'Show yourself. I'm armed!' And into the clearing came, was it a man or a horse? To the waist, a man with red hair and a beard, but below it was a horse's gleaming chestnut body, body with, long, with a long reddish tail. Harry and Hermione's jaws dropped. Oh, it's you, Ronan, said Hagrid in relief. How are ya? He walked forward and shook the centaur's hand. Good evening to you, Hagrid, said Ronan. He had a deep, sorrowful voice. Were you going to shoot me? Can't be too careful, Ronan, said Hagrid, painting his crossbow. There's some at bad loose in the forest. This is Harry Potter and Hermione Grinch, by the way. Students up at the school. And this is Ronan, you two? He's a centaur. We we noticed, said Hermione faintly. Good evening, said Roman. Students, are you? And do you learn much at the school? Um, a bit, said Hermione timidly. A bit. Well, that is something, Ronan sighed. He flung back his head and stared towards the sky. Mars is bright tonight. Yeah, said Hagrid, glancing up too. Listen, I'm glad we we run into ya, cause, um, there's a unicorn been hurt. You seen anything? Ronan didn't answer immediately. He stared unblinkingly upwards, and sighed again. Always the innocent are the first victims, he said. It has been so for ages past, and so is it now. Yeah, said Hagrid. But have you seen anything unusual, Ronan? Anything unusual? Mars is bright tonight. Ronan repeated while well, Hagrid watched him impatiently, unusually bright. Yeah, but I was meaning anything unusual a bit nearer home, said Hagrid. So, uh, have, you haven't noticed anything strange? Yet again, Ronan took a while to answer. At last, he said, the forest hides many secrets. A movement in the trees behind Ronan made Hagrid raise his bow again but it was only a second centaur, black-haired and bodied, and wilder-looking than Ronan. Hello, Bane, said Hagrid. Alright. Good evening, Hagrid. I hope you're well. Well enough. I've just been asking old Ronan if, um, if you've seen anything odd in here lately. Only a unicorn's been injured. Would you know anything about that? Bane walked over to Ronan and looked skywards. Mars is bright tonight, he said simply. We've heard, said Hagrid gump- grumpily. Well, if either of you two um do um do see anything, let me know, won't you? We'll be off then. Harry and Hermione followed them out of the clearing, staring over the shoulders at Ronan and Bane until the trees blocked- finally blocked their view. Never, said Hagrid irritably. Try and get straight answers out of a centaur. Nothing, um, ruddy stargazers. Nothing in, um, not interested in anything closer than the moon. Are there many of them in here? Asked Hermione. Oh, a fair few. Keep themselves mostly, keep themselves to themselves mostly. But they're good enough. About turning up if I ever want a word. They're just deep, deep mind centaurs. They know. They know things. Just don't let on much. Do you think that the centaur we heard—that was a centaur we heard earlier—said Harry? Did that sound like hooves to you? Nah. If you ask me, that's what's been killing the unicorns. Never heard anything like it before. They walked throughout the dense, dark trees. Harry kept looking nervously over his shoulder. He had the feeling they were being watched. He was very glad that hagrid and his cro- he ha- that ha- he-, he was very glad that he- they had hagrid and his crossbow with them he had just passed a bend in the pa- in the path when hermione grabbed hagrid's arm hagrid look red sparks the others are in trouble you two wait here hagrid shouted stay on the path i'll come back for you they heard him crashing away through the undergrowth Um, And stood looking at each other, very, very scared. Until they couldn't hear anything but the rustling of leaves around them. "'You don't think they've been hurt, do you?' whispered Hermione. "'I don't care if Malfoy has. "'I don't care if Malfoy has. "'But if if something's got Neville, "'it's our fault he got here in the first place.' "'The minutes dragged by. "'Their ears seemed to be sharper than usual.' Harry seemed to be picking up every sigh of the wind, every cracking twig. What was going on? Where were the others? At last, a great crunching noise announced Hagrid's return. Malfoy, Neville and Fang were with him. Hagrid was fuming. Malfoy, as it seemed, had sneaked up behind Neville and grabbed him for a joke. Neville had panicked and sent up the sparks. We'll be lucky to catch anything now with the racket you two are making. Right, we're changing groups. Neville, you stay with me and Hermione, and Harry, you go with Fang and this idiot. I'm sorry, Hagrid added um, to Harry in a whisper, but he'll have a harder time frightening you, and we've got to get this done. So, Harry set off into the heart of the forest with Malfoy and Fang. They walked t- for nearly half an hour, deeper and deeper into the forest until the path became almost impossible to follow because the trees were so thick. Harry thought the blood seemed to be getting thicker too. There were splashes of roots on a tree, as though the poor creature had been thrashing around in pain close by. Harry could see a clearing ahead um, through the tangled branches of an ancient oak. Look, Malfoy, he look, he murmured, holding out his arm to Malfoy. Something bright white was gleaming on the ground. They inched closer. It was a unicorn, alright, and it was dead. Harry had never seen anything more beautiful and sad. Its its long, slender legs were stuck out at odd angles where it had fallen, and its mane was spread pearly white on the dark leaves. Um, Harry had taken one step towards it when a slithering... Uh, when a slithering sound made him freeze where he stood. A bush on the edge of the clearing quivered. Then, out of the shadows, a hooded figure came across the ground like some stalking beast. Harry um Harry, Malfoy, and Thang stood transfixed. The cloaked figure reached the unicorn. It's lowered head over the wound of the animal's side and began to drink its blood. Arr! Um Malfoy let out a terrible scream and bolted, and so did Fang. The hooded figure raised its head um, and looked right at Harry. Unicorn blood was dribbling down from its fronts. It got, it got to its feet and, sw- and came swiftly towards him. He couldn't move for fear. Then a pain pierced his head like never felt before, as though his skull was on fire, half-blinded, he staggered backwards, he heard hoofs behind him and um, behind him, galloping and something jumped clean over him, charging at the figure. The pain in Harry's um, head was so bad that he fell to his knees. It took a minute or two to pass when he looked up, the figure had gone. A centaur was standing over him. He, um, not Ronan or Bane. This one looked younger and had white blonde hair and a palomino body. Are you alright? Said, um, said the centaur, pulling Harry to his feet. Yes, thank you. What was that? The centaur didn't answer. He had astonishingly blue eyes, like pale sapphires. He looked carefully at Harry. His eyes lingering on the scar which stood out livid on Harry's forehead. "You are the Potter boy," he said. "You had better get to Hagrid. The forest is not safe at this time, especially for you. Can you um? Can you ride? It will be quicker this way." My name is Fire Wrens,' he added. So he lowered his he lowered um himself he lowered himself on his front legs so that Harry could climb onto his back. There was suddenly a sound of more galloping from the other side of the clearing. Ronan and Bane had came bursting through the trees. their clanks heaving with sweat. Fire ends, Bane thundered. What are you doing? Have a human on your back? Have you no shame? Are you a common mule? Do you realise who this is? said Fire ends. This is the Potter boy. The quicker he leaves the forest, the better. What have you been telling him, growled Bane. Remember, Fire Ends. we have sworn not to set ourselves against the heavens. Have we not read what is to come in the movement of the planets? Ronan poured the ground nervously. I'm sure Fire Ends was acting for the best, Um, he said in his gloomy voice. Bane kicked his back legs in anger. For the best! What is that to do with us? Centaurs are concerned with what has been foretold. It is not our business to run around the forest like donkeys after stray humans in our forest. Um, Firerends re- reared onto his hind legs in anger, so that Harry had to stay on his shoulders to stay on. Did you not see that unicorn? Firerends bellowed at Bane. Or do you not understand why it was killed? Or have the planets not let you in on that secret? I set myself against what is lurking in this forest, Bane. Yes. With humans alongside me, if I must. And Fire Ends whisked around. With Harry clutching on as best as he could, they they plunged off into the trees, leaving Ronan and Bane behind them. Harry didn't have a clue what was going on. Why was Bane so angry, he asked. What was that thing you saved me from, anyway? Fire Wren slowed to a walk, warned Harry to keep his head low, um, bowed his head bowed in case of low-hanging branches, but did not an- answer Harry's question. They made their way through the trees in silence for so long that Harry thought Fire Wrens didn't want to talk to him anymore. They were passing through a particularly dense patch of trees, however, when Fire Wren suddenly stopped. Harry Potter... Do you know what unicorn blood is used for? No, said Harry, started by the odd question. We've only used the horn and tail hair in potions. That is because it is a monstrous thing to slay a unicorn. Only one who has nothing to lose and everything to gain would commit such a crime. The blood of a unicorn will keep you alive, even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You have to slain something pure and fenceless to save yourself, and you will have but half-life. A cursed life. From the moment the blood touches your lips. Harry stared at the back of Fire head. It was dappled silver in the moonlight. But who'd be that desperate, he wondered aloud. If you're going to be cursed forever, death's better, isn't it? It is, Fire agreed. Unless you need to stay alive long enough to drink something else something that will bring you back to full power and strength something will mean that something that will mean you can never die do you know what that is mr potter do you know what is hidden in the school at this very moment the philosopher's stone of course the elixir of life but i don't understand who can you think of nobody can you think of nobody who has waited many years to return to power? Who has clung to life, awaiting their chance? It was as though an iron fist had clenched suddenly around Harry's heart. Over the rustling of the trees, he seemed to hear once. He seemed to hear once more, what Hagrid had said on the night they had met. Some say he died. Godswald, in my opinion. Don't know if he had enough human left him in him to die. Do you mean, Harry croaked, that was Volt Harry, Harry, are you alright? Hermione was running towards them down the path. Hagrid was puffing along behind them. I'm fine, said Harry, hardly knowing what he was saying. The unicorn's dead. Hagrid, um, it's back in the- it's in the clearing back there. This is where I leave you, Fire Ends murmured, as Hagrid hurried off to examine the unicorn. It was safe now. Good luck, Harry Potter. The planets have been read wrongly before, even by centaurs. I hope this is one of those times. He turned and cantered back into the depths of the forest, leaving Harry shivering behind, them, behind him. Ron had fallen asleep um, in the dark common room, waiting for them to return. He shouted something about Quidditch fowls when um, Harry roughly shook him awake. In a matter of seconds, though, he was wide-eyed as Harry began to tell him and Hermione what had happened in the forest. Harry couldn't sit down. Um, Harry couldn't sit down. He paced up and down in front of the fire. He was still shaking. Snape wants to stone for Voldemort, and Voldemort's waiting in the forest. And all this time, we thought Snape just wanted to get rich. Stop saying the name said Ron in a terrified whisper, as though he thought Voldemort could hear them. Harry wasn't listening. Firenze saved me, but he shouldn't have done. Bane was furious. He was talking about interfering with the planets, say, um, is what's going to happen. They must show that Voldemort's coming back. Bane thinks Firenze should have let Voldemort kill me. Well, I suppose that's written in the stars as well. Will you stop saying the name? Ron hissed. So now all I've got to wait... Um, is um, for Snape to steal the stone. Harry went on feverishly. Then Voldemort will be able to take. Will become. come little bit. More. Then Voldemort will be able to come and finish me off. Well, I suppose Bane will be happy. Hermione looked very frightened, but she had a word of comfort. Harry, everyone says Dumbledore's the only one you know who was ever afraid of. With Dumbledore around, you know who won't touch you. Anyway, who says the centaurs are right? It sounds like um, fortune-telling to me. And Professor McGonagall said that's that's a very imprecise branch of magic. The sky had turned light before they stopped talking. They went to bed exhausted, their throats sore. But the night's surprises weren't over yet. When Harry pulled back the sheets, he found his invisibility cloak folded neatly underneath them. There was a note pinned to it. Just in case.